So I just want to give space and recognize all of that. And in my observation, if we were to chart this out and talk about this as a journey, the words we might end up using might sound just as much like we're talking about a life journey as we are talking about a career journey. You know, uh, Joseph Campbell would focus on the hero-heroine journey. This is the movement. Because, and I'll speak a little bit about high achievers, we spend so much time inculcating and internalizing those expectations. You have so much potential that the whispery fear behind that is, and so you better not blow it. Right? Because potential is not realized. Potential is just potential. Right? Whereas the message is not necessarily, congratulations, you are enough. The message is, congratulations, someday you may be enough. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. It was probably early February 2014. My startup was on fumes. We are waiting and hoping for a lifeline from a final investor. The truth is, I already felt like it was dead and it was time for it to come to an end, but I was also terrified at the prospect of closing down. My first baby was due in June, and I had convinced myself if this startup failed, then I would have to work and be away instead of actually being with my daughter. I'm sorry, I can't continue to invest in this company any further. The email from the investor read. The words felt right and like a punch in the gut. We were shutting down. The ensuing six months was really one of the most challenging and rich periods of my life. It was full of changes at that time. A change in the company, change in my role, a change in who I was working with and spending the most time with. My wife and I were becoming parents. And I had the usual questions you might have in that situation about how I would support myself and my growing family. What would I do? But the bigger questions I had, am I really an entrepreneur with another failure? And if I'm not an entrepreneur, then who am I? Who have I become? Not only were there changes in my life, there were major transitions taking place. And in the transitions, a real opportunity for transformation. If, if I allowed for it. Startups and life in general are really nothing more than a never-ending string of transition. So it can be really helpful to understand how people can actually go through them. First, it's important to understand that transition and change are not the same thing, though they are usually linked. Change is what happens externally and can be seen by others outside of you. It could be a new job, a new role, a new home, becoming a father, or just a few obvious changes. But transitions are actually what happens inside of you, usually a result of changes, but not always. They are an emotional experience, the shaking and questioning of your identity that are often stirred up amidst the changes. Now we can get caught up in the changes and wanting to make changes that ease our way through them, but in doing so, we may miss entirely the opportunity to experience the transition. The transition is not only an invitation to experience more of what makes you human, It's an opportunity, if you are willing, 
to redefine who you are. It's an opportunity for true transformation. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but I did actually really lean into the transition. I felt all of the pain of what was ending. I felt all the fears, not only how do I provide for the family, but even more so about my identity as a professional, an entrepreneur, as a successful business person. From the time that I was in high school, I was always told by others I would be quite successful. And somehow that company ending also brought forth a time to shed my need to prove everyone else right. That change led to transformation. And that really defined the man, the partner, and the father that I am today. Alex Rathor has been a hard-charging, high-achieving, successful startup executive who finds herself in the midst of her own transition. After she left her role last year, she's been in this uncertain space trying to figure out, where should I go next? But in this conversation with Jerry, they discuss how the uncertain space is about more than finding an opportunity that matches all of her high-achieving needs. It's actually a chance to redefine what success means for her, and perhaps even more, to redefine who she is. In the uncertainty and amidst the transition lies an opportunity for transformation. Enjoy. Hi, this is Jerry Colonna. Thanks for listening. Check out my forthcoming book, available in June, Reboot, Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. I'll admit I'm excited and terrified at the idea of you reading my work. Hey, Alex, how are you? How are you, Jerry? I'm really well. Thank you. It's good to see you too. I really appreciate your taking the time to join us today. Before we get started, why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Alex Rathor. And I'm a startup executive that has been building and leading at two high-growth venture-backed businesses over the last seven years. I definitely started the early part of my career uh, in more established companies and went to some good schools. But I'm really proud of kind of putting that to work Mm. in startup context and kind of seeing what's possible. Mm. And I've had two great experiences over the last couple of years. I was with a business called Rent the Runway. And then most recently, I spent five years uh, at a company called One Fine Stay, which is a high-end private home rental business that was acquired back in 2016. I would say, unlike many of your guests, I'm not a founder myself. But I've come to realize through the process of building and leading commercial and ops teams over the years that I'm a builder, after all. And I've really enjoyed being a right hand to founders who are trying to do big, scary things, scaling businesses, and really trying to find the right folks to bring along with them for the ride. So I've definitely adopted more of a founder mindset, um, kind of that obsession with the mission and that feeling the deeply the highs and lows of that roller coaster, and really trying to do good work well for the right reasons, as you guys say here on the show. Mm -hmm. So currently, I, I live in LA with my dog, Brecken. Um, and I've been navigating a bit of a transition period, having left the, my last company in 2017, um, trying to really think through uh, kind of why that's been tricky and mm-hmm. get myself organized for, for next steps, really getting excited about the next opportunities. All right. Well, before we jump in there, let me just, uh, let me just respond to something and say, um, I was really struck by your desire to make clear that you weren't a founder. Yeah. 
And there's that, there's something in there that is worth noting, which is that you belong here. Um, even though we're just meeting really for the first time, um, part of our good work done well for the right reasons at Reboot is to try as much as possible to make everybody who's struggling feel like they belong. And so um, the gift of you coming on and sharing this moment in your life and talking through that and really getting some support, the gift of that to the larger community is um, that someone out there will feel themselves in your shoes and you won't be alone and neither will they. So we'll just pause and honor that. And, and, um, it's one of the things I love best about doing this show is that, um, it's not about the, what's the big brand name interview, you know, interviewee that you're going to get. It's uh, (laughs) about this. It's about, it's about everybody. So I just wanted to create some space for that. And so what I'm hearing, Alex, and, and, and we've, we've shared some notes before is that, um, you've had this experience for the last few years with rent the runway and one fine stay. And now you're in this transition period. And, um, and that's a logistical thing. Cause you're, is this right? You're in between positions. Yes. So, and that's also an emotional existential statement as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why don't you give us more of the details about uh, the transition? What's happening with you in terms of the job and what what are you looking to transition to? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking about that after I left One Fine Stay. It was more of an emotional departure than I expected it to be, uh, partly because of the pace of the work that I'd been doing over the last few years. It just was always continuing into the next crisis, the next thing, the next role to kind of figure out. And when I actually kind of put pause, like a pause button on there, realized I was actually quite burnt out. So I took a couple months to kind of recenter myself and kind of think through what I had loved about the jobs that I've been doing and what I could see for myself next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the thing I should say about me is I'm, I'm an all around profile. I'm not a deep functional expert. Um, and I kind of love that because especially for businesses that are growing and changing so much, it's really given me a transformational experience in some of the companies that I've chosen where I've just gotten to do things that they never intended initially for me to do, but because of the kind of institutional context and the opportunity, I was able to kind of jump into. Mm. So I guess for me, I'd like to continue working with another, uh, venture backed business that's trying to build something. Mm-hmm. But the question has been like, where's the best fit for a skill set like mine? Um, especially now that I have a couple more years of seniority under my belt, I may be a little bit less nimble in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it a real op-centric role? Is it more revenue related? Because now I've had the chance to do both through those kind of experiences over the last couple of years. So I think that's part of the reason why this has been challenging. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of team and product can I get excited about? I've done mostly consumer facing work, um, Mm. kind of consumer tech enabled, I guess I should say. Mm. Um, so Mm. again, still kind of a generalist, Mm. um, which has made this a bit tricky too. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is it would be helpful to talk through a little bit of a kind of plan. What's the plan? 
Does that yeah. feel right? Definitely. I'm a planning kind of girl. <laughs> right. And I think some of the, the frustration and the search has been that I've chased a lot of the things that I knew I wanted to chase up front mm. and gotten the wheels moving, kind of re-engaged in the search. Mm. But not having next steps has sort of created a little bit of anxiety around, all right, I'm a doer. What's this girl going to do? Okay. So um, I promise you that by the end of this call, we'll have a firmer idea of the plan. Okay. But um, you're going to have to indulge me a little bit first. Okay. And what I mean by that is um, sometimes when we're in these points of these transitions, sometimes they're you know, when I first started coaching, I had a good friend, Hugh McLeod, draw a um, cartoon for me to sort of symbolize the business. And what it was, was, I don't know if you know Hugh, but uh, he's the artist behind Gaping Void. And so it's one of these crazy looking characters screaming at the top of his lungs, now what? <laughs> um, and in the now what moment, the impulse oftentimes is to move expeditiously as quickly as possible to putting the plan into place because not having a plan produces its own anxiety. Yeah. Right. Does that feel familiar? Yes, definitely. And the problem with moving and responding to that is that, um, we miss the opportunity to, to existentially define our next step. And so what we end up with is we roll along and then four or five years pass and we go, how the fuck did I end up here? (laughs) To the point where we end up in a position where, and now I'm going to quote from one of your emails, the deep philosophical differences that made it hard to lead authentically, right? Where you were in a place where there was deep, philosophical differences where you were unable to lead authentically. And that phrase, unable or hard to lead authentically, is easy to write, but emotionally hard to feel. Does that resonate? Absolutely. Yeah. It was really hard. Yeah. And so we're just going to honor those, that softness that's just come into you right now. Because... um, when we make our career moves and our life choices, paying only attention to the voice in our head that says, hurry up, make a decision, we often will find ourselves in places where the inner part of who we are is out of alignment with the outer part of who we are. And I wish this is one of those moments where I wish the listeners could see you because you just nodded in that sort of knowing way. I mean, you, you know it when you're in it, I guess. And I, I've heard other folks on this podcast talk about transition points like that. Just that sort of like, <sighs> and, the fe- and, the, and the frustration around knowing that there's nothing actually more that you can do to kind of reconcile that. And yeah. for fighters and doers that kind of want to, you know, go to the mat for the idea or for the team, which was really important to me it's really one of the most heartbreaking things that can happen as a senior leader. And sometimes saying that it's enough is actually like the most important thing that you can do, but it's like rips your gut out. 
Yeah. Because you've convinced all these people to come along with you and you've been candid and transparent in your style. And for me, it was just like getting there and realizing that there's actually nothing more that I can personally give to this thing to make it better is just really hard. It's really hard. And I'm going to note something too, that you said in an offhand way, you made, you use the phrase good schools. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So what I can read into that and tell, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, Alex is a high achiever. (laughs) Yeah. Alex has been always the high achiever, hasn't she? I mean, I've always tried to live up to the opportunities that I've had. Well, notice that. There's a beautiful framing in there that's forward looking. And then there's a little, little whispery voice inside of there, right? What's the whispery voice saying? When you think that you're not living up to the opportunity, what's that saying to you? Well, it's just, it makes you feel like you haven't, you're not as entitled to having that opportunity in the first place. So there's a feeling of not, I wouldn't say like not good enough, but a sense of obligation around wanting to make sure that you're always striving to do your best because you've gotten a shot at things that some other folks haven't gotten a shot at and wanting to really have an impact. And I think that drives a lot of my, like the way that I look at my work and my teams. Yeah. Yeah. Can you draw out the connection for me a little bit more? You said it drives a lot of the way you look at your work and your teams. In what way? I think there's often an expectation given backgrounds about what I'm going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And there's a positive and negative associations based on other people people have reacted to and worked with that have gone through similar schools. Luckily, in in the businesses that I've worked in, and a lot of high achievers. But I think we all feel this sense of (laughs) wanting to meet those expectations. Like, I don't just look good on paper. I can do this thing, you know, this hard thing I can figure out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not achieving this because of those opportunities. It's part of the work that I do. And I think I expect a lot from the people on my teams, but also of myself, because I don't want to let, I don't want to not take advantage of that opportunity. So... I guess in thinking about how that relates to searching for work, (laughs) it's like the most critical thing. Kind of thinking like, where is the best use of my time and skills? Where can I have the most impact at like a pretty critical time in my personal career? It's a really, it's like a big heavy weight almost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can feel the weight and I can read the weight in your, in your notes to me. And we're going to talk about the weight in a second. And what I'm going to ask you to hang out with the thing that gives it weight first for a little bit longer. And that is, um, here's a phrase you may have heard. Alex, you have so much potential. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a few times. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That phrase always strikes me as having a double-edged sword. It cuts positively and negatively. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So positively, it's, it's the belief that others have in us that we can do things. What's the negative? I mean, the, the downside is that it creates the sense of uh, like having to live up to that's just hard to grapple with every day. And when you, like at me as a person, I want to do everything at the, the umpteenth level, mm-hmm. it gets hard to kind of maintain 
that pace and that <laughs> that level of execution. So mm-hmm. it feels like when you don't hit it, not that you're disappointing people, but you're mostly disappointing your expectations of yourself. So I think it's, well, it's you've sometimes in, hard. In, in that instance, what's happened is you've internalized the assignment. However, it was first expressed to you. You've internalized the assignment that unless you are, and I'm going to quote now, working in work where you are leading authentically and truly inspired and completely passionate about, and that you're making the next few years count, anything less than that is failure. Uh, it's a a high bar (laughs) how many people get a chance to do all of those things yeah 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 yeah. and so and so in past situations where the i imagine that when you when you transition from say rent the runway to one fine stay there was a lot of um uh affirming and positive belief in the potential ah here it is. Now I'm going to be able to do good work and do it well and rest my head at night knowing that I did it with good intention. Yeah. And then we get the crushing that starts to happen when we realize the philosophical differences, these are your words, lead to a misalignment where who I am doesn't get, get allowed to speak and manifest. Am I naming the fullness of what part of what's going yes. on here? Yeah. Yes. And where, and where the exit, the amazing exit mm-hmm. <laughs> is not actually something that continues to give life to the, to the company. It becomes something that isn't what you thought it would be. And so mm-hmm. that sort of linear trajectory is sort of stopped abruptly. Mm-hmm as you kind of figure out what the new version of this thing is going to be and are you going to be happy supporting that that mission mm-hmm. and i think that's that was the hardest part mm-hmm. so i just want to give space and recognize all of that um and in my observation if we were to chart this out and talk about this as a journey the words we might end up using might sound just as much like we're talking about a life journey as we are talking about a career journey. You know, uh, Joseph Campbell would focus on the hero heroine journey. This is, this is the movement because, and I'll speak a little bit about high achievers. We spend so much time inculcating and internalizing those expectations you have so much potential that the whispery fear behind that is, and so you better not blow it, right? Because potential is not realized. Potential is just potential, right? Whereas the message is not necessarily, congratulations, you are enough. The message is, congratulations, someday you may be enough. Yeah. You have that potential. Don't blow it. To whom much is given, much is expected. Right? Yeah. Now that that is a beautiful altruistic expression for our society and it carries with it a negative 
existential charge. Don't blow it. Don't waste this opportunity. Those in our lives who've made sacrifices for us in order for us to get to where we are, including those who may not even even been in our family, all of those people stand behind us. And then we go into our 20s trying to manifest this and we run faster and faster and faster. And then we go into our 30s and we start to hearing those whispery voices louder and louder. And they're saying (laughs) things like, what the fuck? When does this stop? And then we get a pot of gold. And we think the pot of gold, acquisition, here's the, here's the return on investment. We think the pot of gold yeah. is going to make it all go away. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. And so then we're left with what? A reset, I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. A reboot. <laughs> a reboot, of course, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, but sort of taking all of that stuff with you and yeah, figuring out what to do with all of it and how not to put that much expectation on the next opportunity, but knowing that you will because that's a lot of how you look at the world. I think you may have just hit upon something really important. The call is to learn how not to place all those expectations into the next opportunity. And then another voice popped in, but Alex, come on, you know, you will, because that's how you're wired. (laughs) And so really there's actually a second assignment I'm going to point out, which is how to use this time of transition to renegotiate with yourself a new agreement about how to maintain that same drive that is so beautiful and so wonderful, but no longer allow it to drive you to be burned out. Yeah. Right? To come into relationship with that inner sense of expectations and potentiality in a way that is authentic to who you are now, Hmm. not who you have the potential to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. And it's, it's hard not to get sucked into the new thing and maybe not looking for that new thing with so much expectation that it fills all of those things for you is the right thing. Cause this break for me has been amazing in a lot of ways. I mean, how so I, had been traveling quite a lot. Most of my teams were in Europe. So it was a very punishing travel schedule and a lot of expectations that I felt like I had to fulfill to do my job well. Um, And so just reconnecting with the place that I moved to in the middle of all of this and really finding out if it was a place I loved and, you know, really broadening my personal circumstances here, Um, Mm. reconnecting with my passion for tennis, just like I miss the competitiveness of playing. Uh, mm. And that's been just like a real joy to get back to. And like, I'm never going to be an amazing super, superstar player pro, but just getting back to enjoying the game and leveraging that in my place here. And then the biggest change for me was just committing to getting a dog, which sounds like not a big commitment for I'm sure all the listeners who have kids and all these other things, but actually carving out the time to like build a relationship with my rescue pup and 
kind of just saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like whatever job comes next, going to be a priority and I'm going to take care of this little guy. So what's the little guy's first name or first name is not, I imagine he doesn't have any. Like, <laughs> the little he does guy's it at the vet. He does at the vet. His name is Brecken. And I Brecken, got him. Right. Yeah. About a year and a half ago. So. And so there's this, again, there are tears as you think about Brecken, but it's a soft tears. It's a wonderful tears. It's a, yeah. there's a joy in there. And uh, what I'm hearing is uh, in this transition, there's been time and space for you to reconnect with your body yeah, playing tennis. Which has been so awesome. So awesome. And there's a time and space to reconnect with the other, this other being. Yeah. And those other beings, that's community. Yeah, it really is. It's a real gift. It's just like a pause, you know, being present and I don't know, doing all the work to make our life together work, like the training and things like that, but just like not being on the phone for a walk, like just all those things that I would have just blown off in the past because there were too many things to do. Let me reflect something you just said. So it's like a pause. Yeah. What if it's not a pause? What if it's the new way? Yeah. What if being present is what the new opportunity is. That's interesting. I mean, I guess, how do you do that? Plus find the thing that does kind of pay bills, but also keep you energized as a thinking person. Like, how do you do those two things? Right, right, right. And so, so remember I was talking before about renegotiating the relationship with that drive. Yeah. This is the, here it is. It came right up. Because I offered a radical and scary notion that the way you are with Brecken might be the new norm. <laughs> and you were like, that's great. I would love that. Except, oh, then the scary voice comes up. What are you going to do to pay bills? <laughs> what are you going to do for meaning? What do you, right? Yeah. Oh, slow down, slow down. Yeah. In the renegotiation that happens, in the rebooting, in the resetting, that happens as we try to move towards more inner and outer alignment, there's an opportunity to redefine for ourselves the work patterns, cadences, and styles that work for us. Mm. Right? See, one of the challenges about the high achieving is that we take our cues for what our work pace and cadence should be from the speedy high achieving people that are all around us yeah and behind all of that is a shit ton of anxiety and so what we're doing is unconsciously amping each other up to go faster to do more faster to be faster to go 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 to the point where we are out of alignment with our own values Now, this is the moment where usually a client will say to me, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Jerry. No, actually, it's hard for me because I'm just as driven as anybody else. I am constantly, weekly negotiating with my own self about this. And it's also the moment where a client will say, yeah, but what if, what am I going to do to pay the bills? As if what I'm saying is somehow don't work anymore. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, I think implicit in the wish into the, you now a year later, I continue to struggle to find a full-time opportunity to get truly inspired about, particularly given my preference to stay based on the West Coast. Because what you're saying is that there aren't opportunities on the West Coast. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how it feels. <laughs> it, it, it's not crazy. It's that I think, I suspect that part of what's made it hard to choose opportunities and really pursue certain opportunities mm-hmm is a whole nother whispery little voice that says, Alex, don't do to us what you did to us before. I don't want you to burn out. Yeah. Does that have any resonance? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's tricky because I, I mean, this, this thing about hardwiring is still, like I actually do get joy out of like seeing things come to life and I throw myself into the things I care about, whether it's this dog today or the jobs in the past. So some of that is still always going to be there, but I guess I learned with the last experience that no matter how good the team is, how passionate everyone is about the product, things happen. Mm. And even under the best of circumstances, it's hard to make these things last. And so reframing that sense of what success actually is, you know, exit aside, but like when the thing itself doesn't exist in the same way, is that a success? I think coming to terms with that has been really important, but it does put a lot of pressure on the next opportunity because, you know, I've seen a lot of, seen a lot of things along the way, uh, in a way that early, early days in my career, I would have just said, you know what, oh, we're just gonna, we're gonna try it and see what happens. Anything's possible, but I guess right. you get a bit jaded. Right. And what I, what I see you doing is moving to the same pattern. It's like you just raised the standards, even in the sentence that you just used. Yeah. And so I love your phrase, reframing the definition of success. I think that's a gorgeous notion. And I, it's something framing, first of all, framing the definition of success within a startup, within a company is incredibly important. But it's equally important to reframe or to frame anew. What does success and happiness mean for me personally? Because it is possible to take all of that gorgeous passion that drives you. I mean, you know, I, I've got it. I've got a boatload of clients that I adore. I'm the CEO of a company and I've got a book coming out in June. And I, as I've been lamenting for the last few weeks, I feel like I have three jobs. But there's a part of that that is life-affirming for me. It's life-giving. To see things come to fruition, to, to be able to pause in the middle of my day and have a gorgeous conversation with somebody that I really feel connected to, you. In this moment, I think to be able to come into relationship, a, a new kind of relationship, you know, a framing that I have been using lately is, for myself, is moving into elderhood and seeing each of these positions as moving towards that. 
Now, I offer that not because I think you're ready for elderhood because you ain't, <laughs> but, um, but seeing a larger movement for you than striving to get to the next rung in the ladder, but perhaps, you know, I sound a little esoteric even to myself in this moment. What if being successful in that position isn't just about being a great right hand to a leader, as you defined before, but, but also being a healthy and life-affirming right hand to that leader? I think it's possible. I mean, I like to think that I, I did try to not run myself into the ground. And of course I cared a lot about the work and the teams. I did try to carve out space for myself. Then I had a lot of autonomy with all the travel to kind of do it the way that I could manage it and, and be where I needed to be. So in many ways it was quite flexible, but it's tough to find, I guess it's just hard to find those leaders that you still get great work, but you also can do it in a healthy way that doesn't drive you into the okay. ground on some of this. Okay. Let me reflect back what you just said. It's tough to find those great leaders. Yeah. Uh-huh. I want you to open up a mirror. <laughs> Guess what this next phase of your transition period may be? What if you were to actually be that leader? Yeah. What if that was success? Hmm. Interesting. What if it's not about what others, what if it's about you stepping into a role, whatever the position is, where the commitment isn't just great work, but done well. Yeah. And where well is defined as a way in which the enhancement of humans is part and parcel. Yeah. And maybe that's the criteria around which you... Like that I could re- like review these opportunities. How does like, it feel? Would I have the space to do that? And yeah. how, could I, how could I do it? And it may change the scope of the kinds of companies you go after. <laughs> uh-huh. It very well may. Yeah. You may actually yeah. be in an earlier stage company, for example, yeah. where your ability to affect the culture is greater. Or it may change the conversation where you have, where you're being, say, for example, just to brainstorm, where you're being presented an opportunity to sit in a seat as a COO and you sit down with the CEO and say, and look in their eyes the way I've been looking in your eyes. And you look in their eyes and you say, are you building the kind of company you'd like to work for? Because I want to build the kind of company that I'd like to work for. Where great leadership is defined not only as executing well, but creating healthy, non-toxic environments where the inner alignment or the alignment between the inner and the outer is welcomed mm-hmm. and valued. Yeah. Or even potentially passing on some early things where the commitment required to run to chase the milestones is, doesn't allow space for those other things to be important, either in terms of hiring the right folks or carving out the space that I would need to kind of recharge how does that sound when you say it? Scary. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit scary. Scary? What's frightening about it? 
I guess the expectation with a lot of early things, for example, where you do have influence over who to hire and all of that. And I'm looking at something now is that there's so much work to do in the beginning and really kind of coming up with the right relationship with the founding team to kind of do that in a healthy way is actually really is, is almost as challenging as meeting the deadlines that they've set already. And I haven't even started yet. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah. So I smile because, um, well, let's go there. Let's fast forward five years into the future and let's imagine that you've actually successfully been able to do that. What's that company like now as you think about it five years into the future? I guess it's, it's got folks in it, hopefully, who started early and have had opportunity to grow within the org, but where it took longer maybe to get there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we kind of put the pause because at certain inflection points, it just didn't make sense to run our teams into the ground. And we wanted to make sure that they did the right things around, you know, taking care of themselves. Probably a remote business where people have flexibility about location to the extent that that's possible. Or could make decisions on their own based on what work needed to get done, as long as they could do that and, and live where they wanted. That would be a dream because location is always an issue for me mm-hmm. around how to be there and still do good work. No matter how much you prove that you can still do it remotely, mm-hmm. it's still a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a more dynamic kind of place like that if we could actually get there. And imagine, if you will, for example, that you're asking or you're interviewing a potential candidate and they come to you in that company that exists five years from now and they say, Alex, I was really burned out in my last job. Uh, I felt like it was harder and harder to live authentically. Will I be able to do that here? I'd like to say yes. I don't know if I would. I mean, I'd hope I could get to that place where I would say, you know what? You've been here. You've shown good work. Like take two months off, you know, sabbatical it up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Go do that thing that you've been meaning to do and kind Mm -hmm. of reset yourself. So notice that there's, there's the, I would love to be able to do that. I'm scared I might not be able to. Yeah, that's the truth. (laughs) And that's a powerful inflection point. Yeah, Because you know what that feeling is? That little bit of terror and that little bit of excitement? That's the moment that precedes growth. This is no longer about being driven by inner demons. Hey, don't fuck it up, girl. But this is being shifting the drive to what if we all focus on creating the companies that we'd like to work for? Mm-hmm. What if we created the space for good work done well for the right reasons? Nothing about that means not working hard. In fact, in some ways, it's actually even harder work mm-hmm. because it's about creating the space for human beings to show up to work and then be able to go home and take their dog for a walk and leave the phone at home. Yeah. And think about the tennis game that they're going to play tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when they go back to that desk and they log into some video call, their metaphorical sleeves are rolled up And they're ready to get back to work. 
Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. Say that again. That would be amazing. One more time. That would be amazing. Okay. That's what we're aiming for. Okay. I know it was annoying to get me to, for me to, to do that, but I think neurologically we want to really imprint that Mm. because the old programming, which is going to show up with, but Alex Mm -hmm. fill in the blank. The old programming, it was super helpful. It was super useful. It got you to where you are. It got you to the point of being able to say, that would be amazing. Mm. And what we want to do is reinforce the new programming. The new programming is, I'm going to take all of that drive and I'm going to stay focused on creating a business and a position Instead of waiting for somebody else to lead, I'm going to lead into that place. Yeah. And I can do that. Say that one more time. I can do that. Yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because this isn't just an intellectual challenge. This is an existential, spiritual, emotional challenge. This is leading, as I often say, from your stomach. Yeah. More More than from your forehead or the back of your throat. Mm. It's like, I can do this. Yeah. And I guess it's taking pressure off of all of the external things around the new idea. Mm -hmm. You know, great product, great team, good funding, whatever those things are and putting it back in my own control. Yes. And deciding, you know, is this something I'm passionate enough to move for or whatever, basically. Can I make yeah, it what I want it to be? It makes yeah, I, those, trans, those compromises easier. That's right. I, and, 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 you know, the organizing question isn't necessarily, do they tick all the boxes? Mm-hmm. Does this opportunity tick all the boxes? But do, do, does my gut tell me that this is a place where I can do this work? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if it is, then the calling is to step into that and do that work. And if it's not, head for the hills. Mm. That's what your body was saying when it was like, I need time off. I'm done. Yeah. Cooked. Cooked. Stick <laughs> a fork in me. This cake yeah. is risen. I am done. Right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of this time is that you get to reinforce that new programming, that new wiring that says, I'm going to take all of that gorgeous energy that drove me to achieve and I'm going to reassign it to achieving something that's actually even not only healthier for me, but healthier for the people around me. Mm. That feels pretty powerful. That's definitely a good way to describe success when you look back. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. That's right. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for opening yourself up to this and you know i'm going to suggest that you that you really use that as the framing for looking at these opportunities that present themselves to you and um and and really keep asking yourself that question almost as a litmus test Mm -hmm. can i create that opportunity here yeah that'll be the kind of guiding principle and it'll help no you got it you got it (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.
It was really great. And uh, say hello to Brecken for me. <laughs> I Bye. will. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash signup so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? From my experience and the fact that I actually found a ginormous piece of myself that had been um, neglected and and really um, missing for such a large part of my life, that I can't imagine that there's any other experience that I could have had where I would have had the opportunity to find that or have been supported in this way to allow that to, to come to the surface and have that be part of my experience. And so I'm just going to put out there that I can imagine that there are many people who feel like that they've been trying a lot of things and, and looking in a lot of places to find, if you will, the, the happiness or the wholeness that a lot of us strive to find and, and feel. Mm-hmm. And um, there is no better way to be able to find that than to give yourself the opportunity to have the space, have the guidance, have the compassion and the nurturing and all of the resources that, that you would need to, to do this. Just have the courage to just jump in and, and call this a gift to yourself, uh, mm-hmm. one that you would never regret. I wish I could tell anybody who's like in that place of they're stuck and they're tired and they're scared and they're lonely. And you could name a thousand other emotions or feelings. Like I just wish that I could tell them that there is a way to see yourself through that. And yes, Mm -hmm. you have to walk through it (laughs) and do the work. (laughs) And there is something there for you that will bring you the most amazing life that you've ever had. Are you in the midst of a major life change and feeling alone in the quagmire of feelings? Are you longing for more meaning in your personal or professional life? Or are you already in the midst of the turmoil and excitement of a business or role transition? The Reboot Quest is a truly one-of-a-kind experience to support startup CEOs, founders, and leaders who are confronted with personal and professional questions that simply won't go away. You'll return with the more authentic self emerging, seeing more clearly your work to be done in the world. To learn more and apply for the Reboot Quest, go to reboot.io slash quest.